The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And a wonderful Wednesday afternoon to you here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Great to have you with us. And as you know, over the past couple of weeks, we've committed to reserving Wednesdays as our time to take a look at what's happening politically in in terms of the upcoming primaries on June 7. And then, of course, Looking ahead to November 8, 2022, at the uh, what I think will be a tipping point election, not only for California, but the nation as well. So we will continue to provide that focus. And uh, today, in just a few moments, we have the privilege of having Congressman Tom McClintock join us in studio. We'll be talking to him about And no lack of issues to talk to the congressman about right now here in uh, both in California and the nation as well. Then we'll also talk about the upcoming primaries and then the midterm election as well. Just very quickly uh, looking at the updates on the uh, Texas shooting. I I don't know about you, my friends. I've been very disappointed in our state and national leaders. Uh, The the rhetoric, the politicization of a tragedy like this. I guess uh, in, in some ways I, I expected it, but I was hoping beyond hope that this time perhaps we could deal with the sorrow and the plight and our support of the parents and the families and the communities of those involved. But I'm afraid that it quite, um, quite quickly descended into, well, politics and I, I was hoping that we would uh, that we would wait on that but even uh, even President Biden and I, I thought he started yesterday with a not bad beginning but then he devolved into this as a nation we have to ask when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby when in God's name, we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done. And I, I don't advise the president, and I'm fairly sure that he wouldn't be interested in advice, advice from me anyway. But as a pastor, I don't know that I would, in his position with his record, invoke God's name uh, to support what he's doing. In fact, as a, as a pastor, I think that's fairly dangerous. However, that's between him and God. And one day he's going to have to stand before God and uh, and explain that away. And not only that, but then he reverted to this old, tired saw that he keeps repeating. And again, my friends, I I give people a lot of grace. I really do. But at this point in his administration, enough's enough. Will you quit with the issue about the deer wearing Kevlar? What in God's name do you need a solvent for except to kill someone? Deer aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on, for God's sake. Uh, no, there aren't, Mr. President. And I, again, it, it boggles. There's no rationale here. He repeats this over and over again. And I'm just trying to imagine what the parents 
down in Texas feel when they when they hear that. And uh, I'm just disappointed. I get and and that's a very light term for what I am. I'm trying to be very pastoral and gracious here. There are other uh, descriptors that I could use, but I need to preserve my uh, pastorness, I think, at this point, and, and just leave it the fact that I'm highly disappointed. And Governor Newsom today in his press conference, uh, no better. Uh, and again, he's blaming uh, Republicans. He's blaming Governor Abbott. He's assigning blame to every, he's looking at every issue that is not a root cause of what we're dealing with. And of course, he's waiting for legislation to uh, to come forward. Several bills pending that uh, he hopes will reach his desk, uh, the ghost gun bill and, and several others as well. And he even, uh, as, as you know, is trying to rationalize one of the bills using uh, the, the Texas bill that they have regarding abortion. Somehow, He's equating with the principles of abortion with the principles of taking guns away. I can't quite make the connection in my mind, but I and I'm just going to be very honest with my gut reaction today. I think he was as depending on how you look at it, he was either at his best or worst today in terms of what I felt was a very arrogant perspective, a very uncaring, unfeeling communication, especially as it might be received by the parents in Texas, not something that I would expect of the leader of the state of California. Again, I bring to your attention June 7 and November 8, to me, are two critical tipping points in our future, not only here in California, but in the nation as well. My role, again, I see as providing you with as much information as I can provide you so that you can make intelligent decisions on June 7 and on November 8. My job to bring you that information so that you can put it in the mix. I never tell you what to do. That's because I recognize this particular listening audience. You are highly intelligent. You make wonderful observations. You bring things up to me in our discussions sometimes that I haven't thought about. And so it is very important to me that we present you with as much information as possible so that you can make rational, reasonable, and intelligent choices on election days. And again, I implore you, not telling you what to do, I'm encouraging you, maybe even begging you to vote on June 7 and November 8. I just, again, to me, these are tipping point elections, and we must have a presence. Those of us who think rationally and reasonably, we must have a presence in terms of those elections. In three minutes, we're going to have Congressman Tom McClintock with us, so stand by for that. Mike Douglas' show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this pretty warm Wednesday. It's summerish, isn't it? Pretty warm Wednesday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation, as we discuss the issues of the day that affect you and me directly right here in California's Central Valley. And we have someone who's uh, very concerned about California's Central Valley and the nation as well. 
our privilege to have Congressman Tom McClintock with us, uh, currently representing District 4, but running for the newly uh, designed District 5. Tom, is that confusing? Did you? Are people confused by that? Complicated. Uh, I lost uh, Placer County and I gained Stanislaus County. That's really the only change in the district. The district is comprised of eight counties. I currently represent seven of them and have for the past 10 years. One of them, El Dorado County, I've actually represented for 14 years now. So as you uh, as you look at what's been happening over the past 24, 72 hours, uh, let me ask you right off the bat, uh, your reaction to what happened in Texas and your evaluation of what our governmental leaders have done in response to that. Well, obviously, it is appalling. It is heartbreaking. You wonder what each of those families is going through, having sent their child off to school, expecting that they'd be seeing them that, that afternoon. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it's just it's unimaginable. Um, it's difficult from a public policy standpoint to start talking about such matters in, in such close proximity to the event. And, and, and there are several reasons for that. First of all, we don't have all the details yet. We don't know um, uh, the full background of this madman. We don't know the full circumstances um, that, that finally stopped him. Um, I've been told in any crisis the first reports are always wrong. Uh, so it's it's important not to jump to conclusions until you get all the facts. And the other issue is this, uh, something that Benjamin Franklin said. Uh, he said, you know, passion governs, and she never governs wisely. Mm. So when I hear the president make the kind of incendiary political um, cheap shots uh, that we saw yesterday, um, uh, it, I, I was frankly left with an inexpressible sense of disgust. <clears throat> All that said, it should be obvious to everyone that we need to protect our kids at school at least as well as we protect our money at a bank. Mm -hmm. You walk into any bank, you're going to see an armed guard there. That guard is there for one reason, to shoot somebody who's coming in to rob the bank. That's our money. Oh, but the left goes berserk when you suggest that we ought to have people armed on the school campus to stop a person to protect children. I've never understood that. Now, from the reports I've read so far, it, it looks like the uh, gunman uh, did encounter one armed guard as he entered the uh, the school, and that we don't know the circumstances of why he wasn't dropped right there by that armed guard. <clears throat> uh, but it is... In, everybody thinks that Texas is, you know, uh, uh, free for all when it comes to gun ownership. Uh, the fact of the matter is that I just read the Texas gun law. Uh, you, no one, even someone with a license to carry a, a concealed weapon, is allowed to bring that weapon onto a school campus. So every teacher, every administrator, every custodian obeyed that law. The only person that day who did not obey that law was the gunman, and that is the fatal flaw in the left's approach to gun violence. As you talk to many of your peers, congressmen in, in Washington, D.C., and when you're here in California, is there any receptivity to a common-sense approach other than banning guns altogether, uh, you know, doing away with a second? Mike, or can we have a reasonable conversation? If we actually ban all of the guns in the world, you can sign me up right now. <laughs> the problem is, 
that the, the left lives in a fantasy world and not in a in the real world. Um, the the guns are ubiquitous. Uh, if you think a gun control madmen and criminals from from getting uh, firearms, uh, tell me how well all of our drug laws have been working, keeping people from getting drugs. Uh, it, it, it's simply not the way the world works. There's only one way to stop a a madman with a gun, and that is with a decent citizen with a gun. And the more decent citizens that have firearms instantly available to defend against this kind of an assault, the safer all of us are. And that is, we've got, what, more than 50 years of experience with gun control laws. We know they are extremely effective at disarming law-abiding citizens. Absolutely. Just as they did every law-abiding citizen in, uh, in, in that school. They are extremely ineffective at disarming criminals and terrorists and madmen. And so you end up with a society where decent people are defenseless and criminals and madmen are, are the kings. And again, I think that the, the school that day was a microcosm of such a society. And we need to get serious about allowing teachers with concealed weapons permits to carry those uh, firearms to defend their students from just such an attack as this. You know, they, there's an old saying that uh, uh, the police can be there in minutes when seconds count. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the uh, issues that a lot of people are talking about right now is how about those teachers who are willing to carry? And uh, I am... I am all for proper training. Yep. They must be trained and have retraining constantly. But those teachers who are willing, retired police officers, ex-military, whatever, willing to be trained, uh, it would seem to me that even the, the left would see that that's a, a wise thing to do. But it, it's, it's pretty much uh, my way or the highway well, they, approach, they, they right? completely focused on disarming law-abiding citizens, thinking somehow – that's going to, to improve society, uh, and it's not. And we, we, again, we've been our, – our gun control laws have gotten more and more severe over the 50 years since we, we started down this road. If gun control laws are so effective, you would think at least the problem would be getting better, not worse. Right. We're talking and, with Congressman Tom McClintock here on the Mike Douglas Show. Uh, just before we uh, before we leave this subject, and I do want to talk about other issues that are going on, and also uh, your uh, candidacy for uh, currently in District Four, you'll be uh, running for District Five. But before we leave this, let's go back. Is there so much pressure on politicians to come out with an instantaneous solution that we can't take the time anymore to just empathize with the victims, relatives, and parents? Is there so much pressure now that that we can't take that time to put a little space in there and just allow some healing and compassion to take place before we start talking about policy? You, you would think in a great society that would be the case, but um, uh, I think things have become so politicized. I mean, everything's become political now. Um, that it, again, it's, it's unrealistic to expect that anymore. Although uh, we, you are absolutely right. That's the way a decent society mm. would would conduct itself. That's the way decent politicians would behave. But 
We're not in such an era at the moment. I, I, I agree with you. Well, let's turn our, uh, turn our attention to other issues as well. As, uh, as you look at our current situation here in, uh, in May of 2022, we have the inflation rate 8% plus, <clears throat> gas prices going berserk. Uh, we've lost our energy independence. We're depending upon Europe, for goodness sakes, to give us baby formula. What, what wells up inside of you as a congressman as you look at this, and what do you feel you can do right now versus what you may be able to do in November after November 2022? That's exactly the point. And I, I hate to sound harsh, but when people ask me, how could this be happening to our country? My answer is pretty simple. If you voted for the Democrats in the last election, this is exactly what you voted for. And if you're surprised by that, you weren't paying very much attention. And it's going to go on until the people responsible for these policies are removed from office. And that's our job as citizens in the elections every two years. Uh, look back. To just four years ago, you know, the, the famous Ronald Reagan question, are you better off today than you were four years ago? I think everybody knows the answer to that question in, in today's world. But I'd ask people to think back to four years ago when we had a Republican Congress and a Republican president. The policies were very, very different. We won one of the biggest tax cuts in American history, the greatest regulatory rollback in American history. And the result was the economy took off like a bat out of hell. Uh, we had the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. We had the lowest poverty rate in 60 years. We saw the fastest wage growth in 40 years, and it was all blue-collar workers. The gap between rich and poor was actually narrowing. That wasn't an accident. That was in response to specific policies getting the government off the back of the productive sector and the people who are actually working to produce the prosperity of our society. And by the way, those tax cuts didn't, didn't reduce our revenues. They had such a positive impact on the economy. We actually brought in more revenues and continue to do so today after the tax cuts were put into effect. Um, but it wasn't just that. Uh, the administration, part, a major part of that regulatory rollback uh, was to open up America's vast energy reserves. And as you pointed out, for the first time in our lifetimes, America became energy independent. We, we, we're producing petroleum than Saudi Arabia. We were producing more petroleum than Russia. The Keystone Pipeline was under construction, which today, had it been completed, would be putting 830 thousand barrels of crude oil a day a day into american markets but on its first day in office joe biden canceled the keystone pipeline he canceled uh, uh, uh leases on federal land for oil and gas production he closed the uh the arctic reserves um and uh, in fact just a few weeks ago in the middle of you know of, of six dollar a gallon gasoline in california uh, 450 nationally. Thank you, Gavin Newsom. Um, uh, well, <laughs> well, we'll continue this conversation in five minutes. Congressman Tom McClintock with us. We'll be back with the Mike Douglas Show in five minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Don't go away. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. 
And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our guest right now in studio with us is Congressman Tom McClintock. Congressman, we were talking about energy and how being uh, energy independent disappeared very, very quickly. You know, that initial salvo was the closing of the Keystone XL pipeline. And as you mentioned, we could have millions of gallons of fuel of oil coming to us to, to process, but that got shut off. Is there any sense of why this is happening or yes. is the administration just trying to undo what Donald Trump did? We get the government we vote for. It can sometimes be a blessing, other times a curse, but it's always true in a democracy you get the government you vote for. These were the policies uh, that, that the Democrats promised. Uh, uh, end the end uh, uh, American fossil fuel. Uh, send the price of gasoline through the roof to try to induce people not to use their cars anymore, to buy electric cars, to use mass transit. They laid all this out very clearly, and those who voted for them were voting for these policies, and these policies have produced very predictable results. In fact, if you look anywhere the left has seized control, for a decade or so, cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles, if it's states like California, countries like Venezuela, they always produce exactly the same results. Uh, rising crime, rampant homelessness, uh, poverty, uh, failing schools, uh, 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 scarce resources, skyrocketing prices for gasoline, for electricity, uh, for water. Uh, failing businesses, and ultimately fleeing families. And that's what, you show me one jurisdiction the left has taken control of that over time hasn't uh, suffered precisely those uh, social and political and economic pathologies. I don't know of a one. And, and we can look at Venezuela and see our future if, if we don't make some, if we don't turn things around. Exactly. And that's up to us as Americans to decide Absolutely. whether we want to continue down this road we're now on, whether we want to continue in California to live like this. I mean, those who remember when this truly was a golden state, when we had the finest highway system in the world, mm. finest public university system in the world, finest school system in the, uh, in the country, uh, uh, bountiful electricity, uh, abundant water, uh, those were things we took for granted. And they were because of specific policies that when the left took over, they reversed. Why are we now surprised that all that prosperity that we once knew as Californians is gone? Absolutely. Again, visiting with Congressman Tom McClintock. Uh, we'll take your calls as well if you uh, would like it, to ask the congressman a question. Our number here, 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Let's go to the phones very quickly. And Mike from LaGrange. Uh, Mike, what's your question for the congressman today? I have several quick questions, and questions, Congressman. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a conservative and I definitely want you to understand that. Um, but there's several things that I, uh, you're a very smooth talker and I do appreciate that in your articulate. How long have you been elected to, to, to state and, 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 uh, and to a national level like Congressman and former Senator? How many years well, have you uh, stayed elected? I've been in the state legislature for 22 years and, uh, I've been in Congress right. for 14 now. See, here's where my problem is. You're a career politician and it's perplexing. Because it seems like 
you're part of the problem, not the solution. If you've been there that many years, you should be solving some problems, um, not complaining about them. You should be coming back with, with some, uh, with some bread and food on the table. I'm a small businessman and a rancher. I do two things to make ends meet. And, uh, I haven't really seen much from Washington, DC, especially from our Congress and uh, who, who's endorsing you? Well, among others, the National Taxpayers Union has rated me one of the well, best votes in the entire House on behalf of taxpayers. Okay, but uh, the, the, I'm, uh, I, what I'm trying to ask you, is Kristen Olsen endorsing you? I'm sorry? Is Kristen Olsen endorsing you? Uh, no. Well, why would I want Kristen Olsen's endorsement? That's a good check. That's <laughs> a good check because she's, a very, she's, she's not a very good uh, person. She's a, she's a lobbyist. Who went and just enriched herself? Um, well, well, she's on the. You, you might me. be interested to know she's on the other side. Yeah, I know she is. I, I but I couldn't remember how that went was going down. And I wanted to know how much you were worth before you came into our office, and how much are you worth now? Uh, you'll find well, that these I are just basic one, questions. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. Um, I, I don't think my net worth has increased pretty much the entire time I've been in public office. Well, I mean, uh, uh, what boards and stuff are you on? I don't serve on any boards. My my job is to represent okay. the people of the 4th Congressional District, which is now becoming the 5th Congressional District. Right. So, you know, I'm being hard on you because I, I'm perplexed because I'm really apprehensive of career politicians. And let's face it, you spent a good 30 years of your life being elected. And so well, I know that I, you let have let to. Let me just address that for, for, for a moment because I, I, I hear that from time to time. So I looked at some no, of the American founders. Yeah. Uh-huh. George, George Washington was first elected to the Virginia House of Burgess at the age of 26. He left politics after 39 years. John Adams, first elected to uh, selectman of the town of Braintree, he was 31, uh, retired at 66. Thomas Jefferson, 26, when first elected to the Virginia House of Burgess, uh, uh, retired at the age of 64. That's the total p- political career of 38 years. James Madison, father of the Constitution, first elected to the Virginia legislature when he was 25, left the presidency at the age of 66. That's 41 years. Abraham Lincoln, 25 when he was first elected to the Illinois House of Representatives, uh, was assassinated at the age of 56, 31 years. So it's, it's not the length of service that's important. It's what you do in those years of service. And I'm very proud of my, uh, my, my service to the people of California and the people of, of the United States, the people of this district. And that is recognized by such groups as Citizens Against Government Waste, National Taxpayers Union, National Rifle Association. Uh, I, I can go down a long list of groups that have watched my leadership on these issues for many years uh, and have given me among the highest ratings uh, in the entire House of Representatives. I'm very proud of that. I make no apologies for it. Mike from LaGrange, thanks for your questions. And, and again, Congressman, thank you for, uh, for being upfront about your answers as well. Let's uh, go now to uh, our phones, 209-551-3483. And Nick from Modesto has some questions for you. Nick, go ahead. Yes, I have two questions for the Congressman. Uh, first, question is, uh, first question is, was the January 2020 presidential election legitimate? And number two, who was responsible for the attack on the Capitol on January 6th? And number three, did you vote for or against the certification of Biden on January 6th? There was not a vote for the certification of Biden. 
I, I, I voted to recognize all of the votes that have been submitted by the Electoral College to the House of Representatives. In fact, on January 6th, if you check the Washington Examiner, uh, you will find uh, on that very morning uh, an editorial opinion that I had written. It's under my, my name. Uh, in, in which I argued that the House of Representatives has no role constitutionally in, in certifying votes. It's there simply to watch the votes being counted. And I feel very strongly about that as a matter of constitutional law. The House cannot Was select the presidential election to, on 2020 legitimate? Uh, legitimate, yes. Was it fair? No, I think there was a lot of unfairness going on, uh, uh, including changing the methods of voting. Uh, uh, to, to favor the Democrats, but uh, you know the the elect I supported the electoral count because the Constitution requires it, and 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 argued very vigorously. The House can't select and choose which votes it's going to to, to count and which ones it's not going to vote. That's it's going to count. That's not in its power. Uh, and and anyone who thinks it is, you know, let me just put this point to you: if a candidate does not receive a majority of the Electoral College votes. Who makes the decision then? The House of Representatives. If the House of Representatives has the constitutional power to say, we're not going to count these particular votes because we suspect they were fraudulent. If, Congress, if the House can do that, the House literally can take the power to elect a president away from the people and take it upon itself. That's an extremely dangerous concept. And, uh, and, and I said so. That morning, on the editorial page of the uh, Washington Examiner, you go look it up. Nick from Modesto, thanks for your call. Again, our phone number here, 209-551-3483. We're uh, having our guest in studio is Congressman Tom McClintock. And we have a couple minutes before uh, he must uh, go on to other duties that he has today. So uh, please uh, let us know if you have a question, 209 209- Five five one three four eight three. Right back to the phones. Melinda in Stanislaus County. Melinda, what are your questions? Uh, yes. Hello, Mr. McClintock. I've supported you for decades, and I'm praying that uh, you are still the man that you once were. Um, I see you. that you do have an opponent that is going against you as a career politician. Does he have any other? Or do you have any other endorsements that you would uh, like us to know about? I've been a member of the California Republican Assembly and have been supporting you all these decades, but the Republican Assembly is actually having a meeting this evening, and I'm not invited. By definition, they actually sent that out to everyone, and that is because I stand for one man, one woman marriage, and I stand against baby killing. Well, let me, let me just, um, I'm wondering, me, have yeah. you changed on those issues? No, I've always been pro-life, and, and, and I suspect I always will be. Uh, but you, you mentioned other endorsements. Let me mention perhaps the most important one, and that's the – I have the official endorsement of the California Republican Party, which makes me the official Republican candidate uh, for Congress in this district. Uh, and that was one after the Republican County Center committees of all eight counties that comprise the 5th District uh, voted to endorse me overwhelmingly. Melinda, thank you so much for your call. Our number here, 209-551-3483 with Congressman Tom McClintock. We'll be back with more calls and with the Congressman in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to The Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the Valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Congressman Tom McClintock with us. And we're taking your questions at 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Go back to the phones. Dennis from God's Country out there in LaGrange. Dennis, what are your questions today? Um, well, first of all, I have respect for Congressman McClintock. I think I became aware of him in the 80s and loved what he said. However, I want to ask the congressman, (laughs) part of this is my fault because I didn't keep track. I was raising children. That's my weak excuse. But anyway, I uh, have not heard much from him. And, you know, that's pretty much what I have against the Republicans. And I am a Trump Republican, terrible as that is. But I am skeptical. I, uh, when the Republicans have had uh, the power, the Congress, the presidency, and so on, um, they have done nothing. Now, I would lay that whoa, at the feet. Whoa. Of the Wait, I, 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 I have to stop you there for just a moment. In the two years yes, we sir. had a majority in the Congress and the presidency, we won yes. the biggest, one of the biggest tax cuts in American history that produced one of the greatest economic expansions in our nation's history. We secured the border. Uh, we uh, uh, achieved energy independence in large part because of the biggest regulatory rollback in the history of the United States, uh, measured well, in you're- dollar terms. Uh, that, that, regulatory, that regulatory rollback, which produced American energy independence and helped uh, to produce the economic expansion that we were enjoying, um, it was because of Republican votes in the, uh, in the House and because of a Republican president and because specifically of the policies that those votes and that president enacted. So to say we did nothing, I'm sorry, uh, that, that just doesn't, doesn't wash. Couldn't get rid of Obama. Were there things – could we have done a lot more? Yeah, we could have. We should have. Uh, you know, a lot of the problem we, yeah. we ran into is the same thing that the radical left has run into, and that's the closer vote in the Senate that requires 60 votes. Once the bills pass the House, then getting them passed the Senate is a different matter. For example, you know, I, my, my legislation to streamline the permitting process to start building more dams, uh, uh, we got that out of the House, but we couldn't get it past that closer vote in the, uh, in the Senate. Uh, same thing with my legislation to protect the full faith and credit of the United States in a debt limit impasse. That bill passed the House twice overwhelmingly, or not overwhelmingly, but passed the House. But again, we couldn't get it past the uh, the Senate. So you, know, uh, you you have to take that into account as well. That is our process of governance. And uh, I'm sorry, I would put that at the um, at the responsibility and the drive of the former president who had the election stolen him from him in 2020. Thank you, Mr. McClendon. All right, Dennis from LaGrange. Dennis, thanks for your call. We uh, have the privilege right now of having Congressman Tom McClintock with us in studio. Uh, we've got a few more minutes left with him. Uh, Congressman, here's a, a question that was uh, sent to us. Uh, the, the opponent, uh, the, your opponent at the moment, uh, in the from the Republican Party is charging that you will not take goodies, uh, so to speak, for your district. 
Are you aware of that? Is uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, we have a Republican candidate, a Fresno County Supervisor, who's a, a cheerleader for earmarks. Now, earmarks, you have to understand what that means. Earmarks bypass the normal appropriations process, where projects have to compete against each other based on their merits. That system is completely swept aside, and individual members of Congress will then direct money to specific uh, constituencies and specific uh, projects uh, without any kind of competition. Uh, uh, that's what had, is ruining uh, 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 the, the budget process. You know, that's why Citizens Against Government Waste is so vigorously opposed to earmarks. And when Republicans had majority control of the House, we got rid of them. Uh, they came back with the Democrats, but I think the new Republican majority uh, will uh, uh, vote to get rid of them again because they are corrupt, uh, they are wasteful. Meritorious projects don't require earmarks. Uh, only non-meritorious projects require earmarks. Meritorious ones do very well through the normal appropriations process where they compete with each other based upon their merit. So I was rather shocked when a candidate calling himself a Republican was out championing earmarks, but it's the world we live in, I guess. Again, our guest, Congressman Tom McClintock. Let's go back to the phones, 209-551-3483. James from Manteca. James, what's your question for the congressman? Yes. Hey, you know, every time I hear your name, I think of Streets of San Francisco. Remember that show? <laughs> well, you're talking about John, John Wayne and, and, and the movie by that name? Uh, no. No. Uh, I, but anyway. I got it. Mike. Uh, Mike. Mike Douglas, yeah. Michael Douglas, and the Street oh, of San Francisco. Oh, 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 I got yeah, it. I got it. I'm sorry. Right. San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Every time I hear your name. Anyway, uh, it looks like Joe Biden isn't going to do anything. It's like Hannity says, he doesn't know where he is, what day it is. He's just fooling around up on the podium. People are feeding the squad AOC. Do we have enough water for California? Can we get some pipes built uh, from the mid-states and just get a project going? To build the we don't need pipe water from the mid-states. We have plenty of water in California. We live in one of the most water-rich regions of the country. Uh, uh, the problem is uh, it's unevenly distributed over time and distance. We build dams to move water from wet years into dry years. We build aqueducts to move water from wet regions to dry regions. But we stopped doing that uh, back uh, close to 50 years ago now. The, the, the last major... A reservoir that we built over a million acre feet was the New Malonis in 1979. Meanwhile, the, um, the, the, the population has more than doubled. I chaired the Water and Power Subcommittee of the House Natural Resources for four years. I'll tell you what I learned in all that time. Droughts are nature's fault. They happen. But water shortages are our fault. Mm. Water shortages are a choice we made 40 years ago when we began enacting laws under the rubric of environmentalism that have made the construction of new dams and reservoirs all but impossible, endlessly time-consuming, ultimately cost-prohibitive. Um, we're not going to solve our water shortage until we build more dams, and we're not going to build more dams until we overhaul those radical environmental laws that are making their construction impossible. It is just as simple as that. And, and to add insult to insanity, we now have a portion of our water bonds that were supposed to go for new water projects being used to tear down four perfectly good hydroelectric dams on the Klamath River. That is insane. 
And yet that's what the left does. And at some point as Californians, we're going to have to decide whether we want to continue to live like this or whether we want to return to the days of abundance and prosperity that California once had. And the question we have as Americans is whether we want the same people who destroyed our prosperity in this state to take our country. We've always had in the back of our heads as Californians the realization that if things got bad enough, we could always move to another state. If the left is able to destroy our country in the same manner, where are we going to go? That's why this election is so important, and that's why it's an all-hands-on-deck operation for the American people. And I think, it's, uh, and I think they're going to rise to the occasion. Mike, thanks for your call. Very quickly, Anthony in Turlock, uh, your question, and uh, Congressman, we have about a minute left. Go ahead, Anthony. Good afternoon, gentlemen. My, uh, my question is, basically, I am a lifelong moderate liberal uh, Democrat. I re-register as an independent and still consider myself probably left-leaning. But as I've stood still, the left has just moved so far left that I feel like um, I'm no longer – carry an affiliation to what I once believed that they don't embrace my, my former lease structure. So is come this, November, is this, I'm literally... Is this the Elon Musk? Is this I'm Elon sorry? Musk? No, this, this isn't, I wish, believe me, my wife wishes too, I'm sure. Um, but, <laughs> well, you said the same thing. I'm, I'm just a teacher. Exactly the same position. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a lowly teacher. So, but um, My, my, my daughter my is a teacher, and I couldn't be prouder of her. Oh, All right, let's let uh, the congressman sure. answer uh, the question very quickly. You have about uh, 30 oh, I'm, seconds. I'm, I'm sorry. Great, I interrupted him before the no, question. Okay, my Quick. question basically is um, I'm just wondering, I'm voting Republican for the first time in my entire life this, this November, and I'm just wondering what I can expect from you that I did not get from, say, Representative Harder this year uh, during his, his term with running my, my, my district. I, I think the bottom line, because it's not Republicans and Democrats, it's policies that work and policies that don't work. The policies that we implemented, reducing the burdens on the economy, uh, are what produced the economic prosperity that we were enjoying just a few years ago. Congressman Tom McClintock, thanks so much for spending time with us. We'll be back in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love, with even more local local news news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to hour number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your Concierge for conversation as we navigate through the issues of the day that affect you and me directly right here in California's Central Valley. We had Congressman Tom McClintock with us during the first hour. We thank you for your calls and, and your probing questions. It's good to, to ask, and uh, we hope that uh, you have received some information that will help you coming up on June 7 and on uh, August 8 as well. I know we couldn't get everyone in, all the questions in, and we apologize for that. The congressman did have a schedule he he had to keep as well, so especially Eden. uh, Thank you for your call. Apologize we couldn't get you on the air, uh, but we do appreciate you calling in. Now, several of you, I'm sure, would like to comment on, react to our interview with Congressman Tom McClintock. So let's go to the phones and do that, 209. 551 3483 209 551 3483 Tony from Turlock. You're up, my friend. Go ahead. Hey, um, 
I like uh, the way the congressman answered the question. Um, I feel like he is at least a competent individual to be representing us in our newly created district. I did have a question for him on what looks to be an impending uh, some type of legislation coming up after the event yesterday in Texas. And as a teacher, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, what type of funding and training and like higher levels of protection we could be seeing in our school districts and was wondering, you know, how he might answer that type of question. Yeah, just a, a question for you, Tony. Are you uh, talking about the possibility of uh, training and arming uh, teachers and uh, volunteers and such? Is, is that what you're referring to? Well, I'm talking more about training for how we as teachers need to respond in that type of situation, the pros for like, you know, right now some of the schools have the kids, like, lay down in the middle of the field and be like, hey, just play Got it, it. Uh, right. type of thing. Uh, and, like, how we would de-escalate uh, tense individuals, uh, hopefully before it got to this point, and uh, being able to have that type of de-escalation training like they give to police officers who have to deal with all members of the public. We as teachers have to deal with all members of the public and having some things like that those types of tools in the toolbox might help us to be able to prevent these sorts of things from getting to the position that they got to yesterday and once you know god forbid something like that does happen in one of our schools that we would be able to act in the best way to protect our students and your children Absolutely. Tony, let's keep our eye on that, definitely, and uh, I believe that's a great thing uh, to equip teachers, because we're in the day where we have to make that part of uh, the training, I think, and you bring up a very good point, and we'll keep that on our radar screen as well. Let's take uh, one more call, 209-551-3483 from Nancy in Modesto. Nancy, your observations today. Hi, Michael. I wasn't going to call, but um, something really did dawn on me as I was listening to to Congressman McClintock. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people, and I'm speaking of one especially that I know in Sacramento, uh, will tell me, I know what's going on. I read the newspaper. Well, um, she ha she reads the Sacramento Bee, just as uh, I read the Modesto Bee. Well, not really. I get it. I don't read it much. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just think that a lot of people are misled uh, because they don't listen to certain stations. I'm talking to the choir now, probably, because most people who are listening to you perhaps are very, you know, up to date on what's going on and are not just, you know, believing everything you read in the newspaper or on the national television stations. So anyway, I'm just thinking that I wish that more people, the general population, could be more aware of the real facts of what's happening to our country and uh, what could happen if it continues to go this way. But a lot of people, I think, are in dream worlds, dream worlds, and they they really think nothing that like that could possibly go on, like Venezuela in our country. Well, <laughs> I bet there were a lot of people in Venezuela 
uh, years ago that didn't think it could happen. So anyway, I think it's um, important that people have a varied, uh, well, a variety of sources that they can listen to and therefore make up their minds intelligently and not just hear one side. So anyway, that's my comment. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy. And and I think of you. You you bring up a great point, and that is, I think we all have the responsibility to gather as much information as we can from as many sources as we can. I I am a great proponent of that. And Nancy, you you bring that up, and I think that is a great reminder. Uh, if we just use one source, we're going to get that filter. Everybody has filters. Every news source has filters, and so uh, being able to be adult enough. <laughs> to uh, look at different sources, gather the information, and then and then make a decision based upon at least two or three sources. Uh, sources, I think, is very very important. Good point, Nancy. Thank you for calling. Appreciate that. Coming up in just a few moments, uh, another candidate for congressional district number five, Nathan Maxig. He's on the phone with us. We'll uh, we'll get to him in just a few moments, and your calls for him as a candidate as well. Before we do that, you know, I've been watching uh, other sources about what's going on with real estate. And I, what I observe is home prices are going up, inventories low, uh, but interest rate hikes mean price fluctuations. So selling your home now with an aggressive, experienced agent is the right move to maximize your equity. Do you want to move closer to work but think, yeah, I don't know if I can afford it? Well, listen, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Fitz. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value or he'll sell it for free. His home selling program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. And I love this. You're in complete control. No required costly repairs. No long-term contracts. And you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Michelle Modesto tells us she was helping her dad sell uh, his home in Modesto. They needed top dollar. Michelle interviewed several agents, found out that Dan had the right plan to make only the necessary improvements, and he could market the home for top dollar. Michelle says Dan over-delivered on her high expectations, got her dad thousands more than her original goal. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend. I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. So call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S.com. The Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes as we hear from Nathan Magsig. He is candidate for Congressional District 5. That coming up in three minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And as you know, we dedicate Wednesdays to looking at candidates and the issues that you'll be voting upon come uh, June 7 and then on November 8th. Right now, we have the privilege of having on the line with us Nathan Magsick. Uh, those of you especially who travel a lot down in uh, the Fresno, Fresno County, Clovis area, I'm sure are familiar with Mr. Magsick. Uh, Nathan, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be here. I appreciate having the opportunity to speak to your audience. 
Absolutely. Well, well, let's start with your passion to run for District 5 and what you'd like folks to know right up front about you and why you want to run. Absolutely. So I can tell you that of the candidates that are running for this newly drawn district, I'm the only candidate who is a licensed general contractor and has his own small business. Over the course of the last 20 years, I've been involved in building over 140 different workforce housing projects. In addition to that, I'm the only candidate that has a record of building water storage projects. And I've been involved up in our forests fighting hard and doing more uh, to really uh, gain back our forests because we need to be having active forest management um, in our forests in the Sierra. And so along those lines, uh, I ran for office because 18 uh, months ago we had the Creek Fire in my district, which at the time was the largest fire in the state's history. That fire ended up costing about a half a billion dollars to fight and also to rebuild all the homes that were lost. And really, our forests do not need to be in the condition that they're in. And I feel like things continue to get worse, not better. I've been involved in local government for about 22 years now as a council member mayor and currently serve on the Board of Supervisors. And so I want to take, uh, I want to take our local voices back to Washington. I am from the Valley. Um, agriculture is a big part of what we do here in Fresno County. And I know this eight-county region, agriculture, too, is at our core and so I believe uh, with the results that I have as a, as a private business owner, as someone who's actually built housing, someone who's developed uh, water storage facilities, partnering with local uh, irrigation districts, I can take some of these common sense practices and make some real change in Washington. Nathan Magsig, our guest. Again, he's running for Congress, District 5. Uh, he's a Republican and uh, the primary, of course. But let me ask you about this whole primary situation that we have right now in California. What, what do you think of the system we have about the open primary where, the, regardless of what party they're with, the first two, the top two vote getters, get, uh, get onto the ballot in, uh, in November, on November 8th? you think that's a good system, uh, or do you think that's one that maybe we ought to take another look at? Well, I can tell you right now in California, just the way our election system uh, is run and our state legislature in place, it's very one-sided. And whatever rules and regulations the uh, individuals who are involved with the Democrat Party choose to be appropriate, that is what is implemented. But in this particular election, since we are not in a presidential cycle, you have stated correctly that this is a jungle primary. And what that means is top two vote getters, regardless of party affiliation, move on to face off against one another uh, in November. So uh, there is the real possibility this cycle that you will have two Republicans squaring off in November and, uh, you know, I'm excited and I'm, I'm prepared to be one of those two. Working very hard. Yesterday I was in Modesto for several events. I capped off my night with a fundraiser at Del Rio Country Club. Um, over the weekend I was in Calaveras County for their annual frog jump, which was an angels camp. And so daily I am traveling throughout the district trying to get to know individuals uh, either personally or at group rallies. So I'm excited. Nathan Magsick, our guest, running for Congress, District Number 5. And uh, we'll open the phones if you have a question for Mr. Magsick. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Received some fee feedback from some of our callers, and uh, they mentioned uh, what I guess we, we could call a, a very aggressive campaign that you have uh, against uh, your Republican opponent, uh, Tom McClintock. How do you feel about that? Regard, let, let's say 
that McClintock wins? Would, would do you still have a relationship there? Uh, how, how do you feel this aggressive campaign will ultimately work out? Uh, do you do you feel it's productive? Do you feel it's something that uh, might be unproductive at some point down the line? You know, my campaign is very focused to uh, really point out the record of those individuals who are in this race. And Congressman McClintock has been in office in, in Washington for 14 years. And I believe during that time, he has passed four bills. Two of those have named post offices. And so I've pointed that out. For me, we need more water projects. We need to deal with the issues up in our forests. And these are issues that I am focusing on. So uh, if uh, running a, a, a tough campaign is one where I point out the record of others, then I guess I'm running a tough campaign. But I'll continue to challenge the record of others, and I expect them to challenge mine too. But when my record is scrutinized, the, uh, the difficulty, I think, for a lot of my opponents is on homelessness. I'm the only candidate in the race that's built a, a homeless facility for women and children, which opened up about 10 years ago. So politicians are great at talking about the need for more education or health care or housing or to do things for the homeless. And there's only one candidate in this race that has, that has real results, uh, getting more water for the valley, building workforce housing, and that's me. Nathan Magsig, again, our guest. Uh, Let's look at the homeless issue from a Washington, D.C. perspective. Uh, Let's say you you are elected to Congress. What would you do as a Congress member to help the homeless issue, especially here in California? So one of the biggest issues right now that counties are facing is funding. And so you're seeing a lot of funding from the state for housing first. And the problem with Housing First is is if you don't have wraparound services, mental health services um, for these individuals that you're putting into housing, you're not really solving the problem. You're just kind of supplanting it. And so what I want to do is I want to make sure funding formulas that are in place don't uh, disadvantage smaller counties. In this new district, there are eight counties, and many of them have less than 50,000 people. And so just the funding formulas in place are really skewed in such a manner that you have to be a large county um, or a large city to get funding. So I'm going to be changing those funding formulas to make sure that all corners of my district can compete. Nathan Magsig, again, our guest. If you have a question for the candidate for Congressional District 5, our number here, 209 Three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. We have a few minutes left before we take a short break, and we'll come back to you afterwards. But before we do that, Mr. Magsig, uh, let me ask you and, and give you the opportunity as well to respond to what happened in Texas and uh, how the federal government has responded to it. Your impressions of the president's uh, response to the shooting and Governor Newsom as well. You know, the, the incident in Texas is a horrible tragedy. We lost 21 lives and 19 children of the 21 uh, were lost. And so we need to be very focused on wrapping our arms around those families and that, that community that was impacted by this horrible atrocity, this, uh, this horrible crime. But at the end of the day, what really bothers me when I hear politicians stand up saying that we need new laws Uh, put in place to protect people, I'm reminded of the fact, I look at areas like uh, like Chicago, I look at areas um, in California where we have some of the most restrictive gun laws in place, and if you look at how many shootings and killings take place, it's through the roof. And for me, laws are not always the answer, but I want to get to the root cause of why we are so violent, why are gun crimes going up, 
And there's a lot of things that uh, um, are challenging us as a society. And I believe that our churches need to be getting more involved. Um, our nonprofit organizations, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I know here in Fresno County, we've got over 2,800 children who are in the foster system and the foster care system. And so many kids are growing up in broken homes or without parents. And really, a lot of our kids are losing their identity. And so this shooting, while, yes, a gun was used in that shooting to get at the root cause and to try to solve the problem, it's more than just passing more laws. I'm interested in solving problems, not just passing laws and, and making fancy speeches. I think your point about root cause is is so central to the discussion. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Max, I don't think that's what we're hearing typically from Washington, D.C., nor uh, Sacramento, uh, Sacramento either. Uh, so let me just ask you, and I think I know the answer, your stand on the Second Amendment and what, uh, what appears to be uh, the left's uh, agenda to do away with it, if not uh, undercut the gun industry as a whole. So uh, philosophically, I believe that the First Amendment, our freedoms of speech, expression, freedoms of religion, um, are all there because of the Second Amendment. So I firmly support the Second Amendment. But also, too, I believe that we need to come together as Republicans and Democrats and figure out what is at the root cause uh, driving a lot of this violence. Access to firearms. Um, Fifty years ago, people could get a firearm without having to go through any kind of a waiting period. And we didn't see these massacres on our school campuses. So we really need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what is driving this? I take a look at technology and the amount of electronic devices that all of us are on constantly, whether it be our phones, our tablets, our computers. And I look at the, the messages and the information that's getting pushed in front of our kids. And I need to really ask myself, how is that impacting their brain development? How is that impacting how they think? And really, if the root cause is just technology and things that we're using, maybe that is what we need to curb. So again, right. I want to focus, on the, focus in on the root cause, not some of the tools Absolutely. that are being used to carry out these crimes. Absolutely. A root cause so important. Our guest, Nathan Magfic, will continue our conversation with him and get to your phone calls as well. Coming up in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Back again in five minutes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our special guest right now, Nathan Magsdick. He is a candidate for Congressional District Number 5. Again, the primaries coming up on June 7. And then, of course, the midterm, very important, coming up on November 8. Not too far away. Uh, let's go to the phones now. Your questions for Nathan Magsdick. Our telephone number here, 209. 209- Five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Nick from Modesto, your question for Mr. Magsick. Uh Yes, um, um, you're pretty new to this area, and I'm not. In, my question is not intended to be a softball question, but you know we really don't know you that well here. Can you share with us uh, who you are, where you came from? Uh, are you married? Do you have a family? And why are you running for Congress? I appreciate that question. So, Nick, I am, um, I come from a line of pastors, actually. Been here in the Central Valley for 33 years. Uh, been with my wife for 25 years. We've been married 21 years. I have three beautiful sons, and actually one of them is graduating high school tonight. 
So uh, my oldest is 18, middle is 16, my youngest is 14. I'm, uh, I've been involved in local government for over, over 20 years, about 22 years actually, and I'm a licensed general contractor, worked with a lot of different businesses in the last 20 years. I have a master's degree in business. I also have a master's degree in criminology. used to teach a little bit at Fresno State, uh, taught criminology 120, which is juvenile delinquency, but I have a passion for our valley. I love the people here. I love the sites. I love everything about it. And I, re I really feel like the last 20 years we've seen a, a degradation, a, a degrading of a lot of the values that we have. And really just looking at, at our country, our national debt is soaring. Um, our water continues to be cut from our farmers. Our local control continues to be taken away. And I, I can't stand by and watch all this continue to happen. So I'm running for Congress. Nick, thank you for your question. Appreciate that. And uh, let's go back to the phones, 209-551-3483. Vicki from Modesto, you're on with candidate Nathan Maxick. I really appreciate the answers to the last question. I was sitting in my chair reading the vo the, about the voting ballots, the things they sent out, and I was leaning towards McClintock, and then I listened to him on your program, and I didn't think he gave a good answer on anything, so I am definitely going to vote for Nathan. And then when he just said he was from a, a long uh, family of pastors, that made it double because my past husband was a, a pastor also. So yes, I am going for. I am going to vote for him. I've made up my mind, and I just wanted to let him know. Thank you, Vicky. I'm honored. Thank you. All right, Vicki, thanks so much uh, for your call. Our number here, 209-551-3483. We're on with Nathan Magsig, who is also a candidate, as is Tom McClintock, for, you know, on the Republican side of things for Congressional District Number 5. Let's go uh, back to the phones to Robert in Modesto. Hi, Robert. You're on with Mr. Magsig. Yes, sir. Um I really don't know how to start this other than the fact that why can't we stick together with Tom, stop all the division? Our focus should be getting rid of the Democrats who have destroyed this state. And I really don't I, – I realize politics, but Tom McClinic's been there fighting the fight against these Democrats, basically outnumbered for his whole career. And why would we throw him out now when we need to stick together as the conservative voice? I don't think Nathan should be in this whole thing stirring up division uh, that's my own personal thing i won't vote for the man tom tom has put up with all this baloney with the democratic party in this state and i don't think it's right to toss him out now all right Thank robert you. thanks for your observation nathan uh, let's give you an opportunity to respond to that yeah so again i think future performance is based upon past performance and robert i can appreciate your perspective and i like a lot of the things that tom mcclintock has to say but for me it's what have you done and i'm willing to work with democrats with independents to get things done on water forest management i don't know that tom mcclintock has done any of that in the 30 plus years that he's been in the state legislature and also in washington so for me at what point do you say it's time for new leadership Again, I'm fed up. I, I've watched our national debt go from $4 trillion back in about 2001 to its $30-plus trillion today. The Republicans had the majority in the House and the Senate, and they, they had the presidency from 2017 to, to 2019, 
and there were many issues that really needed to be tackled that weren't, unfortunately. So how much longer do we wait? Do we wait until everything falls apart? I can't wait any longer. I'm running because, yes, I'm a Republican, and yes, I'm conservative, but I'm also willing to sit down with my colleagues here in the Central Valley, regardless of party affiliation, to get things done. All right, thank you so much. Again, uh, thank you for your call. We appreciate that. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Our guest right now, privileged to have Nathan Magsig with us. Again, he is a candidate for Congressional District Number 5. Uh, Nathan, just a, a question for you as you've been campaigning. Any confusion for people as we look at uh, the, the redistricting, the change of district lines? Has that been a, a source of confusion uh, for anyone at all, or are Californians pretty well aware of the new district boundaries? People have been very confused. And if you look at this new Congressional District 5 seat, it consists of components of Congressman uh, McClintock's old Congressional District 4 seat. It also consists of portions of Josh Harder's seat. I believe most of your listeners uh, did have Josh Harder as uh, Congressman Harder as their representative. And it, all consists, it also consists of components of Congressman Nunes' seat. And so really, California has lost one of its House seats. And with this redistricting, unfortunately, the Central Valley had no representation on the commission when these lines were being drawn. If you look at a map of these new lines, they make absolutely no sense. There are some communities where if you live on one side of the street, you're in one district. On the other side, you're in a different one. And so it is hard to follow these new districts, but I'm excited to run in the 5th District. I'm looking forward to meeting each and every one of your listeners out there. I've been in all eight counties working on uh, being in all the cities and all the counties. Um, this is the most beautiful district. But, uh, again, a lot of people are confused about these new congressional districts. Mm. Yeah. Again, our guest, Nathan Magsig. Let's, uh, before we let you go, let's try to fit in a few more calls. Gail from Modesto. Gail, uh, your question for Mr. Magsig. Um, yes, I have a question. Um, a lot of his supporters are putting on an event this evening with questions and answers, and I got an invitation, but it told me that this Christian activist, Melinda Mason, Gail, we're losing you there. Are you still there? People and strongly have. Okay, Gail, I'm I'm afraid your uh, your cell phone is going the way of the buffalo on us here. Hang, I'm going to put you on hold just for a second. Let's uh, try to get another. Uh, Gail, maybe move to an area where we can get your uh, signal a little stronger. Uh, let's go very quickly to uh, John in Modesto. John, your question for Nathan Magsick. Uh, I'm John from Valley Springs, not Modesto. I'm sorry, John. Will not relocate <laughs> you, you to you Modesto. Me <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, you, you. I, I, I listening to this uh, message. I got a little bit um, uh, fired up. I, I would suggest to him that he should live in communist country like me for about 25 years and get some experience of what he's talking about. Getting together a bit of communists and, and, and a socialist and Marxist. It's not going to work out. He's, maybe he's got some good ideas or, or, or believes that it's going to work out, but it's not going to work out. Because I know I had to lie, uh, run, for, run for my life on, on a simple one little thing. Then I said, I wish I have, uh, we have a little more freedom for enterprise in the country. 
And next day I was in a in a commander's office. I was in the army that time, serving the army, and I was interrogated for one hour. And at the end of the hour, there was not well, for that one little thing. He okay. She said, I, "Okay, I will forgive you this time, but if you say one more word, you will be court-martialed." And so I I I can never forget. It took me about three years to 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 get out of the country because I knew I was going to be one day saying more than one word and I'll be court-martialed. And so I don't I do not trust this guy Mezik. I think he thinks that he knows more than he does, and it's not possible to get together with the communists. And, 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 and live with them together. I think this country is, is going to fall apart. It's going to be either free country or, or if the Democrats win over, it's going to be a communist country like all the other ones. That's all I have all to right, say. John, Thank you very much. John, John let me uh, offer you, offer you uh, one. Do you have one specific question you'd like Mr. Maxick to, uh, to answer? Yeah, I, I don't believe that he will get what he promises to do. It's, it's impossible to work. Oh. He's not going to make any better. I think the the, the president, uh, uh, McClintock, I think he, he's he's the best at this point, and he knows everything was going on, and he knows how to deal with that. I don't think Messi oh. knows how to deal with that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, John, thanks for your comment. Uh, Nathan, uh, your your opportunity to respond. Sure. And to John, the fact that you grew up in a, in a communist uh, country and had to deal with that, um, you have a perspective that I could, that I never want to have. And so I very much appreciate your perspective. But I will say on these issues that I'm talking about, homelessness, uh, workforce housing, um, I speak not as someone who wants to make change only, but someone who actually has results in these areas. And one thing I'm mindful of, too, while I don't agree with a lot of the messaging and wording that comes out from uh, the Democrat Party, they're still Americans. And I think a big problem that we have right now in our country is we have stopped looking at people as being Americans, and we've looked at them as either being Republicans, Independents, Democrats, and we're separating ourselves, and our country is being divided within. And I'm mindful of the fact that our founding fathers used to tell us that uh, the thing that we need to watch out for is not the enemy outside, it's the enemy within. And right now we need to get back to basics. But on these issues that I've talked about, I don't speak uh, from a position of where I don't, don't have any accomplishments. Again, when I say I'm the only one who actually has built workforce housing, I've done that with my own hands. When I talk about the work I've done with uh, building shelters for homeless women and children, again, I have done that with my own hands, being a part of the capital campaign team, working for years to make that happen without government funding. When I talk about the water issues, the work that I did at the local level, partnering with local irrigation districts, this was done absolutely. And I will be very much focused, and I do want to see change happen. I am not willing to stick with the status quo. Things need to change, and I want to be that change. Nathan Magsig, our guest candidate for Congressional District Number 5. And again, our, our mission here to give you, uh, my friends, as much information as you can, as we can, so that you can make intelligent and informed decisions come June 7 and November 8. Uh, Nathan Magsig, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today and to answer those questions. Uh, appreciate your time today, sir. Thank, thank you, Mike. I appreciate the time, too. All right. Mike Douglas show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
A pastor with passion. A minister with manners. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And uh, have the privilege now of having in studio with us Aaron Davis. Uh, he's a concerned libertarian, also a blogger, a man well-versed in what's going on and many of the things that the mainstream media isn't even paying attention to it. Aaron, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Great to have you with us. Great to be here and to uh, get a few minutes on air with you guys. Absolutely. Hey, let's let's talk about this whole issue with Nancy Pelosi and uh, the Archbishop and uh, the direction not to uh, not to uh, serve communion to her. Let's uh, let's talk about that. What are, what are your initial impressions about that whole situation? Well, you know, religion is one of those things that really define who you are. And when you get in front of the entire world and you say, I'm a devout Catholic, but I'm pro-abortion. It's such a glaring conflict that, you know, this has been long overdue coming. The archbishop uh, denied her communion and said that she should have it no more. And I think that even extended now to uh, Joe Biden as well, uh, since, since that first report came out. But, uh, it just makes me wonder, what, what does she think? What does she feel? How, what, what kind of loyalty should we expect her to have to the Constitution? Really? Yes, and, and the other thing that uh, – my, my, let me put my pastor's hat on here for a second. If, if, if you're in the game, you know what the rules are. And I, I am not a priest in the Roman Catholic Church. I am a, a Protestant pastor – but I understand what the rules are. The rules are that if you subscribe to abortion, that you are not served communion. My question is, if she knows the rules, what's the big flap about? I mean, it's, it's, it's right there in, in their catechism, I believe. It, it, it's, it's published, and it ought not to be something that is questionable. So, what, what do you think she, she's really about in, in terms of making this such a big deal with the media? Well, I see this a lot in, in mainstream media and uh, center and left center, uh, left of center politicians. They're just going to say whatever they want to say to the right audience. I mean, you know, example, Hillary Clinton suddenly develops a African-American accent when speaking in Georgia. Uh, you know, I mean, I could go on and on about these things, but, but uh, that that's, it's not about conviction. It's not about the soul of a man or woman or the soul of an unborn child, uh, man or woman. It's just about votes. It's just about retaining that market share and, and, uh, and making sure that uh, she stays front and center. The, I, again, it just goes back to if we can't expect anything from her uh, to, to adhere to the, the most fundamental and supposedly close to her heart matters, I just don't see how the Constitution is going to matter a bit uh, when it comes to other issues. And, and we've seen that over and over again, whether it's, whether it's mandates or, uh, or, or, you know, just other overreaching, you know, this, uh, I could just go on and on, but overreaching government by and large. Aaron Davis, our guest. Uh, Aaron, we have about two minutes left. Very quickly, the other day, President Biden made a uh, offhand remark. It seemed like a tossaway line about what happens if uh, Taiwan is attacked. What's your read on that? Uh, what oh, should we know? Man, you know, uh, the old 
the old saying, he who speaks first loses. <laughs> Ever heard that one? Well, when we're talking about World War III, you've really got to slow down and consider whether or not we should even be answering questions like that. Like, hey, are you going to defend Taiwan if China attacks? I were president and I'm an idiot. Let's face it. I'm an idiot. I, you know, uh, but I'm even smart enough to say, you know what? I'm going to let real-time circumstances dictate our action at that time, and I'm going to, I'm going to politely decline to answer that in the, matter, in, in the name of national security. But, but this is actually what Joe Biden said in response to that question. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's the commitment we made. And, and I wonder if, if he was really cognizant of what the question was and what his answer meant. We've run out of time, Beats my me. friend. Beats me. Once I wonder a, the cognizant question every day, buddy. Got to have you back, Aaron. Thanks, Mike. All right. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow right here at 3 o'clock on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV.